Get your Bibles out if you would, please. This morning, we are starting a new mini-series that we're calling You Asked For It. Because this past Easter, we did a survey asking what messages would you like us to preach on? And so we compiled that from all three communities, from Kyle and Austin out here at Lake Travis. And we came up with a list of your top choices of what you wanted us to preach on. And so we're going to kind of do this countdown over the next three weeks leading to the number one choice. And by the way, that number one choice was an overwhelmingly number one choice for the topic you want us to preach on. And, and so starting September 10th, we're going to actually do a series just on that topic since so many of you wanted us to preach on that. And so leading up to that, we're just going to kind of do a countdown. And so this morning, I'm going to talk about the number four topic that you chose for us to preach on, which is dealing with difficult people. <laughs> now, I'm not sure if you saw into the future and you knew this was Kate and Tress's last Sunday with us, and so you wanted to make sure we talk about how difficult Tress has been or whatever that has been. I'm not really sure why. I had a chuckle, though, because... Of all the topics, this being one of the top four was kind of funny because I thought, do we really all have that many difficult people yeah. in our lives? Is that really <laughs> what is going on here? And I understand that maybe you didn't come prepared to even talk about that topic here this morning, and the difficult person in your life may be the person you're sitting by. <laughs> and so I think we may all need a little bit of grace, but regardless of who that difficult person or the difficult people are in your life, we all need God's help, and we all need his perspective in dealing with those difficult people that come into our life. Because I don't know about you, but it feels like the people that are difficult for me to interact with just have this mission in them to make my life crazy. Um, it just feels like they're intent on making my life miserable. And, and I, I mean, maybe you could, you'll be able to relate to some of the things we'll talk about here this morning. But why, why don't you turn to your neighbor just to make sure everything's okay and tell your neighbor, I'm so glad you came to church this morning. <laughs> now get your Bibles and go to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2, or you can follow along on the screen. We're going to start here in verse 23. It says, again, I say, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone, be able to teach, and be patient with who? Difficult people. Difficult people. I love how God speaks directly into our situations, don't you? He says, be patient with difficult people. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts and they will learn the truth and they will come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap for they have been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. There's an old Irish saying that goes like this, to dwell above with saints we love, that will be grace and glory. To live below with saints we know, now that's another story. You know, it's true, right? It's so funny because these people that we can even love and these friendships that we can have can be the most aggravating thing in our life. And so for us to deal with difficult people, I think it's really important for us to understand them, to understand why they are the way they are, because there's always going to be people in your life 
who are going to be difficult for you to get along with. Max Lucado says it this way. He said, some people have been called to be missionaries of misery sent into our world to wreak havoc. How many have one of those missionaries in your life here this morning? <laughs> and so I want you to think about this because what actually makes a person so difficult? Have you ever thought about it? Why it's difficult for you to interact with that person? Because I think knowing the answer to this is actually half the battle. Because for you to understand why they are the way they are will help you in your interaction with them. And as a matter of fact, it will help you understand why you're so difficult as well. Several years ago, when I was, when I was a kid, that's been a long years ago, I guess, but um, when I was back in middle school, I had this great friend, and, and we did a lot of stuff together. But he had an older brother that absolutely irritated me. He was, he was well, in our terminology today, he was just an extreme bully. He was mean, he was harsh, and I just despised his older brother, even though his, this, this one, his, the, other, the other brother was my, was my dear friend. But this one day, we were over at um, their house, and we were playing and doing all sorts of stuff, and, and I don't remember what happened to cause the situation. But the father came home and was angry over something that the older boy had done, and all of a sudden, there was this commotion, and and uh, he took that older son um, by his neck and drug him into the back room, slammed the door. All this yelling and screaming was going on. And all of a sudden, you could hear him whip the boy with his belt. Today, people would be put in jail for such a thing. It's, it kind of went under the whole umbrella of discipline, I think, for when I was, was growing up and maybe for some of you as well. But when he came out of that room, I never looked at him the same because people are the way they are for a reason. And this boy, this young, this young boy who was older than I was, his bullying, the reason why he was the way he was, was because what he was experiencing from his father. And so I think understanding why people are the way they are will actually help you as you interact with them. So first of all, we have to understand why there are even difficult people in this world. And the reason for this is because we live in a fallen world. This is a fallen world. It's a sin-filled world. It is a broken world. And every single one of us are impacted by that. I'm not outside of that. You're not outside. Every one of us are impacted by that, which means no one is perfect. I hate to pop your bubble here this morning, but you're not perfect. Your spouse isn't perfect. Your kids aren't perfect. I'm not perfect. Your coworkers, your boss, they're not perfect. None of us are perfect. Romans 3.23 says, for all... All, not some, not just Wayne, but all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Which means, and maybe you don't realize it, but you may be that difficult person. You may be the one that people right now are thinking about when they're thinking about a difficult person. That's the reality of the thing, because we're all impacted by this fallen, sinful world. And so we have to remember why there are even difficult people in this world. And then the second thing we have to remember is that there is nothing more important for the devil to attack in your life than your relationships. Let me say it again. There is nothing more important for the devil to attack in your life than your relationships. Why? Because so much of our life 
comes through our relationships. You were created to be relational, which is the reason so many of your joys come through your relationships, but as well, some of your heartbreaks and so many of your sorrows and so many of your hurts come through relationships as well. And so we have to remember that there's nothing more important for the devil to attack than your relationships. And so what I did this past week is I made a list of different difficult people that have kind of come in and out of my life. I didn't put their names there, (laughs) but I put kind of categories that I think difficult people kind of fall into. And so maybe you can relate to this. And to be honest, probably every one of us have been one of these from different times in our life. And the first grouping of people are the hammers, the hammers. And these are the type of people that are aggressive, they're harsh, they're hostile. I'm right, you're wrong, end of the story, get out of my way. These are the hammers, and so much of their approach is through intimidation. How many of you have hammers in your life? How many of you admit that you might be one of those hammers? (laughs) Another grouping of people are the megaphones. And these types of people love to talk, and they go on and 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 on. As a matter of fact, they'll talk so much that it'll cause you to submit to whatever's going on. I mean, you'll just submit to it. I mean, because they just keep going on and on and on and on. A third grouping of people are the bubble busters, or SNL calls them the Debbie Downers. And these are the grouping of people where everything is bad. They deflate everything. Everything is negative. You can say, did you see the sunrise this morning? Wasn't it gorgeous? Wasn't it spectacular? And they responded by saying, it was 110 degrees out. And there's 100% humidity, and so it's, it feels like it's 150, and everything in my garden has died. Wah, 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 right? <laughs> hey, whatever you say, they, they just, they just poke the, the bubble up. You can say, you can say, wasn't worship amazing this morning? Wasn't the Spirit of God just here today? And didn't he minister to people? And they can respond by saying, yeah, but we didn't have a drummer. But whatever it is that you, you say, it's, they just deflate it. They say something negative. And I think attached to this is kind of a subcategory of people who are the one-uppers. You know what I'm talking about? You say something that you're excited about. My child got a scholarship to go to college, and they respond by saying, well, my daughter got a full-ride scholarship to A&M. Hmm. Or you say, well, I got, a, I got a raise. Fine, for 15 years, I got a raise. And they say, well, I got a raise. It was double in salary, and I got a promotion, too. Everything's kind of a one-up, which makes you just feel negative, which makes you feel bad. And then you have the volcanoes, and these types of people erupt out of rage and anger. There's this constantly spewing hot lava of hostile words, no matter what's going on in your life or their life. And then you have the space cadets. And these type of people, they just live in their own world, but they don't know that they're living in their own world. And so here's the thing. Uh, You try to talk to them, but they're just not home. They're they're just someplace else that you can't even have a conversation with them. And then you have the clams. And these type of people are great at the silent treatment. They just will put everything on mute. And no matter what you say, what they do, they just clam up. And you can't even have this conversation with them. The next grouping of people are the nitpickers. 
And these are the people who are constantly critical. They're always finding your mistakes. Nothing you do is ever good enough. How many have nitpickers in your life? How many would admit you might be one of those nitpickers? And then we have the crybabies. And these types of people are chronic <laughs> complainers. They're constantly whining. They pout to get control. They pout till you give in. These are the crybabies. And then you have the users. The users. And these types of people are the manipulators. They're constantly trying to control you. They're just using you to get their way. And then another grouping of people are the garbage collectors. And with these people, they are constantly replaying and rehearsing the hurt of their past. And so what they do is they bring all the past into that next situation and into that next conversation, into that next relationship, and they just dump all that junk into that situation. I think these are some of the different categories of difficult people that come in and out of our lives. But to compound the challenge of dealing with difficult people, difficult people also see life through a different lens. For example, I think some difficult people see life through a magnifying lens. And so everything that they do is all out of focus because everything is magnified. Every, everything is, it looks, looks differently from their perspective. And so you're trying to talk with them about something, but, but they see it completely different because they have these magnifying glasses. Everything is just deflated or inflated. It's, it looks for, from a different perspective. As well, you have other people who look through the lens of layers of offense. And so this is how then they interact with you. You're, you try to ask them a question. You're involved with a situation. And all it is is just one layer of offense after another. And you think you get through one thing and they just bring out another issue. I, well, I remember in 1988 when you did this. They just keep bringing just another layer of offense. And then I think another lens that people tend to see life and situations through. And I think, to be honest, this is where a lot of us end up. And this is the me, myself, and I lens, <laughs> where everything's about me, right? Well, it's all about me and what you can do for me and how this can affect me and how can this be positive for me. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> I think this is the lens that so many of us tend to look at life and situations through. And so these are some of the diff difficult people that come in and out of our lives and the lenses that they look at life and situations through. But the question then becomes, how do we respond to them? How do we respond? Because the reality is you have a choice. You have a choice. Now, you can't determine whether or not you're going to have difficult people in your life. The truth of the matter is that you always will. And so the answer is not leaving your job so, because there's so many difficult people in your job because wherever you go, there'll be more difficult people there. Remember, you might be the difficult person. So it just follows you. The answer is not leaving your spouse because that person is so difficult because where you go, again, that person's going to be difficult. You're going you're to hit difficult people wherever you go. They'll just follow you around. There difficult people are everywhere. And so it's not about trying to determine that as well. You can't choose how that difficult person is going to respond to you. You can't determine that. 
You can't determine or even stop what they do to you. But here's where you can choose. You can choose how you're going to respond to them. You can choose how you're going to respond to that difficult person when they come out, out at you. And so what are my choices when that happens? Well, number one, you can choose to curse it. You can choose to curse it. In other words, you can perpetuate the cursing that's happening in that, with that difficult person. So they speak words of anger to you. You retaliate and speak words of anger to them. They speak words of hostility to you. You return hostility to them. They nitpick you. You nitpick them. They clam up. You clam up. And all you're doing is you're perpetuating the cursing of it. And so you can choose to curse it. Or number two, you can choose to nurse it. In other words, what you're doing is rehearsing what it is that they've done to you. So you actually embrace it, and it goes inside of your soul, and it begins to wreak havoc inside of you. You just nurse it by rehearsing it. Or the third choice is that you can reverse it. And actually do what Jesus tells us to do. Look at this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 38. It says, here's another old saying that deserves a second look. Eye for eye, tooth for tooth. Now, what is that? That's cursing it, isn't it? You're just repeating what was done to you. Jesus said, is that going to get us anywhere? Here's what I propose. Don't hit back at all. If when someone strikes you, stand there and take it. If someone drags you into court and sues you for the shirt off your back, gift wrap your best coat and make a present of it. And if someone takes unfair advantage of you, use the occasion to practice the servant life. No more tit-for-tat stuff. Live generously. You're familiar with the old written law that says, Love your friend and its unwritten companion. Hate your enemy. Well, I'm challenging that. I'm telling you to love your enemies. Let them bring out the best in you, not the worst. When someone gives you a hard time, respond with energies, a prayer, for then you are working out of your true selves, your God-created selves. This is what God does. He gives his best, the sun to warm and the rain to nourish to everyone regardless, the good, the bad, the nice, and the nasty. See, folks, we have a choice. You have a choice when you're interacting with a difficult person how you're going to respond because you can curse it or you can nurse it or you can reverse it. And so what I want to do here this morning is I want to give you the biblical perspective of how to reverse it, how to engage it differently and actually do what Jesus tells us to do in dealing with difficult people because this is really important and this is really difficult for us because the reality is relationships are difficult. How many of you say amen to that? relationships as well are fragile. How many know that to be true? And relationships cause deep wounds. And for you here this morning, you may be in a relationship that's extremely toxic. You may be in a relationship that's manipulating and controlling and abusing you. That might be the reality of what's going on in your life. And so we need God to help us. We need God to show us how to handle those difficult people when that happens in our life. And so what does the Bible say about dealing with difficult people? Number one, realize you cannot please everyone. You cannot please everyone. Jesus said in John 5, verse 30, By myself I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just. For I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. Now look what Jesus is doing. 
Because Jesus made a decision. He decided. Please listen to me. You can decide. Irregardless of your personality, you can decide to live your life not as a man pleaser, but a God pleaser. And I understand that certain temperaments and certain personalities are going to have more of a oomph, a compelling, where you want people to like you, where you're searching for that pleasure of people, where you want their affirmation. I get it. I understand it. But please listen to me. It's just going to make your life so incredibly hard if that's your motivation. If you're a, being a man pleaser, you're going to run around trying to please different people time and time and time again. And the reality is you'll never be able to please everyone. And so simply make the decision, I'm not going to be a man pleaser anymore. I'm going to be a God pleaser. And so I'm going to live my life in a way that I want God's approval, not man's approval. It will change your life radically if you'll make that one decision. Number two, refuse to play the game. Just refuse to play the game. In John chapter 2, verse 24, it says, But Jesus didn't trust them because he knew all about people. Now, what was going on? When you read, when you read the Gospels, you'll see this over and over and over again, this push where people were trying to get him to do things, and he just refused to play the game. He didn't get caught up in the quicksand of he said, she said, or this bickering back and forth. But you know what? I think this is probably one of the biggest things of our culture here today. And you know where this is everywhere in our culture? Social media. It's everywhere. Somebody says something on social media, and it gets up in you, and it compels you. You just can't stand it. And so what do you do? You tweet back. You do a post back, and all of a sudden, it's not just one. It's a string of eight different posts where you're just land blasting and slapping people around trying to counter what it was that was said. Please, folks, refuse to play the game. Don't get caught up in the quicksand of bickering back and forth. And then number three, then rise above it. Rise above it. Isaiah 40, verse 31 says, But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Now, isn't there a great picture arising above it? This is how we're supposed to live our lives. Listen, folks, all this nitpicking and all of this critical, sarcastic, jealous, gossipy, hateful speech that is going on in our culture today that's destroying people's lives, we have to make the decision to rise above it. To not get into the game, but to actually rise above it. I love this thing that somebody said, you can't soar with eagle, eagles if you're running around with a bunch of turkeys. <laughs> so some of you, you just need to get out of social media. I'm serious. Because it is eating you alive. It's causing death to fester inside of you because you just feel like you have to respond to it. And it's getting people. I wish some people um, would just stop... <laughs> being on social media and just reacting to what's going on. We need to make the decision, don't play the game and rise above it. And then number four, 1 Peter 3, verse 9. Part number four is never retaliate. Never retaliate. 1 Peter 3, verse 9 says, don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God has called you to do, and he will grant you his blessing. I read this, and I look at this, and I think, 
hmm, okay, it's easy to read, <laughs> but boy, is it hard to do, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, look at what he's saying. If somebody insults you, don't respond with insults. But he doesn't even stop there. I would be happy if he would just stop there, but he didn't stop there. He says, if somebody insults you, not only don't respond with insults, but he said, pay them back with what? A, a blessing. I don't know about you, but that's not what comes to my mind. You know, when somebody insults me, when some difficult person is at me, my natural response is not to pay them back with a blessing. You know, I want to pay them back with a karate chop, <laughs> you know, or a slap in the face or something. I, it's not natural for me just to want to pay them back with a blessing, but that's exactly what God tells us to do. This is what we're called to do, and this is hard, folks, because our flesh doesn't want to do this. Because when Gary Henry speaks something nasty to me, my natural inclination is I want to speak something nasty back to him. When he's hostile towards me, I want to be hostile towards him. That's our natural reaction. We all want to self-protect. But I want you to think about this. Because if anybody had the right to retaliate, it was Jesus, right? If anybody had the right to retaliate, it was Jesus. I mean, he could have said, you guys coming after me? <laughs> uh, you coming after me? I'm coming after you. Be mice. Poof. <laughs> and your wives, be cats. Poof. And now let's see what you do. I mean, he could have he done that, right? He's the creator of this universe, but he chose to not retaliate. He was verbally berated. He was physically abused and persecuted, and yet he didn't retaliate. See, this is hard, folks, but this is what you're called to do. This is what we are called to do. This is how we're to deal with difficult people. Never retaliate. Say the word never. never. Retaliate. Say it again, never, never. retaliate. Never. Can you do it sometimes? Never. never retaliate. And then number five, release them. Release them. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 44, but I say love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. You know, some people you just cannot fix. There's some people you just can't fix. you got to give them to God. And here's what happens. Because when you pray for someone, when you begin to pray for that difficult person in your life, you'll begin to see them differently. It's not so much that they always change, but you will. When you pray for them, you'll get the heart of God inside of you for them. And now, even when they act that way to you, something shifts, something changes because you see them different. You're seen from God's perspective. And that's why it's so important for us to release them into God's hands and to pray for them. And then number six, live redemptively. Live redemptively. Ephesians 4 verse 32 says, instead, be kind to each other. Just be kind, right? Be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. See, folks, we're called to live redemptively. And you know what? 
The only way you'll be able to do that is if you experience God's forgiveness for yourself. The only way this is possible, folks, is if we're able to experience God's forgiveness for ourselves. Because here's the thing. You'll never have to forgive someone more than God has already forgiven you. Oh, somebody didn't hear that. You're thinking of the difficult people. You're thinking of the difficult situations you're in. You're thinking about what they have done. But let me tell you something. You'll never have to forgive someone more than God has already forgiven you. Amen. And so here's the thing. Don't close your arms to others when God's arms are stretched out to you. God's arms are stretched out to others, so don't close your arms to others. And I understand that I get it. We can have fun here this morning and talk about difficult people and, and, uh, and, and interact this way. But the reality is when you're in situations where there are difficult people in your life, it's crushing. It's debilitating. It's like life as is just stops because we were created to be relational. And that may be you, you here this morning. I'm going to ask everybody just to close your eyes if you would, please, as we just begin to finish here this morning because... It may be true that you're dealing with some very difficult people in your life, and maybe one in particular, and it's caused you to be all worked up. You're mad, and you're hurt, and you're frustrated, and maybe even you're feeling like your world is caving in on you, and maybe you're even beginning to feel hopeless because these difficult people or that difficult person is shaking you to the core. And you just don't feel like there's any way out. That might be exactly how you're feeling. We can laugh about these things, but you're in a situation where these difficult people are rocking you to the core. Now, David said in Psalms 55, he talks about his own relational struggles, and, and he writes this. He says, if an enemy were insulting me, I could endure it. If a foe were raising himself against me, I could hide from him, but it is you, a man like myself, my companion, my close friend, with whom I once enjoyed sweet fellowship as we walked with the throng at the house of God. Can you hear his pain? Can you hear his own anguish? Because the difficult person in his life was a close friend friend. And maybe that's what's going on in your own life. You know, these people are around you and you can't get away from them. But th those are the difficult ones in your life. And you feel that anguish. You feel how hard it is. And it may be exactly because you're in a very toxic relationship and somebody might be abusing or manipulating or controlling you. This was David's anguish, the betrayal that was going on in this relationship. But listen to his conclusion here. He said, but I call to God, and the Lord saves me. But I call to God, and the Lord saves me. He didn't tweet about it. He didn't post it. Facebook he didn't take a picture of it. He didn't complain to his friends. But he said, I call to God, and the Lord saves me. Evening, morning, and noon, I cry out in distress, and he hears my voice. 
He ransoms me unharmed from the battle waged against me, even though many oppose me. So, Father, I pray for every one of us here this morning. And whatever is going on with the people in our life and the difficult things that are happening in those relationships, that God, just as David experienced you meeting him and you intervening in those situations and delivering him and saving him, God, I pray that every man and every woman here this morning, God, that we would experience that very same thing. That, God, that you would come into our relational situations. And that, God, that you would work your wonder there. 